Please turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 13. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 13. You know, other people shape our lives, whether we like it or not. When we think about the relationships we've shared and the people we've known, and as you get to know and spend time with people, it, it influences your life. Some of the people that have <clears throat> affected us in life have been our parents. That's our first influencers, right? Our friends. Our friends speak into our life. Sometimes we pick up little phrases and things that they share. They, we learn things together. We uh, get into trouble together. We get out of trouble together. Um, teachers. Some of us have had great teachers that have changed our lives. I remember an eighth grade teacher who taught me how to write. And so because of that, it helped me greatly in college. <clears throat> we have boyfriends or girlfriends that change us. And so it's important that we pick uh, well there. Our spouse will definitely change you. When you marry into a family, you when you marry somebody, you marry into that family. So their the extended family will also affect you. Co-workers, etc. People matter. People matter. The people around us are there for a reason. They matter. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning as we work our way through these first six verses of Hebrews chapter 13. Let's, let's begin in verse 1. Let love of the brethren continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember the prisoners as though in prison with them. And those who are ill-treated since you yourselves are also in the body. Marriage is to be held in honor among all. And the marriage bed is to be undefiled. For fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and I ask that you will speak to our hearts this morning. <clears throat> I pray, as we look into these verses, that you will show us what you're saying here. I pray and ask you to apply it to our lives. And Father, I pray as we walk out today, that we'll walk out changed, not because of anything I've said, but because we've met with you. We thank you for what you're doing. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Well, this morning, as we look at the subject that people matter, we will discuss others, our marriage, and ourself. And so we begin with others, and he's got this category here. There's different groups of people in your life that we're called to minister to. And these include brethren. And who is the brethren? Those are your brothers and sisters in Christ. He said, let your love continue which implies that it was already going on. And so there's meant to be a love in the body of Christ among 
one another, among us, that is obvious, that impacts us. Because the thing is, for God to work, for us to receive any instruction or correction or teaching uh, from anybody, we have to be willing. And you're willing because you know somebody loves you and cares about you and wants the very best for you. People that don't want that, we usually keep them at arm's length, don't we? If we, we, have, we are suspicious that this has some other motive other than my good, we're not interested. Or at least we're discerning, trying to figure out what that is and not receptive. And so he tells them, he begins with the brethren. The idea that it needs to continue means that it could stop. And that happens sometimes. That happens sometimes in the church. We need to be careful that that doesn't... <laughs> Listen, I will tell you, I'll tell you how to stop love in church. You want to know how to do that? Let's focus on everything else but Jesus Christ. Let's focus on the color of the carpet. Let's focus on what we want. Let's focus on how we think things should be. And when we start to do an inward focus or focus on ourselves instead of what Jesus Christ wants to do, what the Holy Spirit is leading us to do, that will suck the love right out. And so you have to be careful. If you go back and look, you know, here's the thing. Our love for one another is a testimony to the world that we're from Christ. And so if we don't have that, we have, we do not have that testimony. And so it's important. That's something that we have to protect fiercely because without a testimony that says we're sent by the one who died for them, how do we, what grounds do we have to stand on to share the gospel? It's important. Brethren, let your love continue. Actively loving one another. Then he moves on to strangers. And he's not talking about strange people. He's talking about people you don't know. And so, strangers show hospitality. And he tells them, you could be entertaining angels. And if you have an old King James Bible, it says you could be entertaining angels unawares. And so, people, there's people around us that we don't know all the time. There's people whose past we bump into just in passing. There's people at work that we may see on every now and then. Or a store that we've never been to. Or a neighbor that we haven't gotten a chance to really meet. You know, it was really funny. Back in the day... You used to know your neighbors. You knew their names. You knew what they did. You, knew, you know, Now, we couldn't even tell you what their name is or what they do. Because we're all locked inside. And we think life is lived on Facebook. You ever... Has this ever happened to anybody? You're looking at somebody else's Facebook pictures and the adventures and you're going, I'm kind of living through that. How come I don't have any of those pictures? You ever done that? we got to bring it back, folks. We got to bring it back to when dinner is ready, when the lights on the street come on. You know, where, you know, that's where the movie came from, Back to the Future. It was a 1980s revolution to return to simpler and right times to move us forward and advance us because we were sliding down a slope. It was actually a political movie, believe it or not. A lot of people don't know that. And so we have to come back to where he's talking here about hospitality. Listen. They did not have Hilton's back then. They didn't have even Motel 6. <clears throat> so when people would travel through town, people would put them up. They would show hospitality. They would be good to strangers. 
and they would get to meet. You'd get to meet. Imagine if that was the, the case today. Imagine how many people we could meet that way. How many people we would get to know. Um, we go, well, that's unsafe. And that's, you know, and there's some, probably some truth to that today. Back then, that was the norm. And so he tells them to show hospitality. These could even be, you could be entertaining angels. Listen, we don't have the option to avoid people. We don't know. <clears throat> we try to take that option, don't we? Well, I, you know, I don't really know them. How many, how many of you have somebody that you would say is at least somewhat of a friend that you know that's a friend? How many of you have somebody like that? Okay. How many of you were born knowing that person? Wow, none of you. And so here's the deal. There's some really amazing people out there that we need to go meet. We need to get to know them. We need to open our, our heart to a degree. As you get to know them, you can open further. But meet people. There are strangers out there that are, are running across your path all the time. Have you ever had a stranger try to strike up a conversation with you? Mm -hmm. Now, don't raise your hands. How many of you go, man, this is really uncomfortable. <laughs> there's, there's my introverts back here. You know, why is that person talking to me? I'm just trying to buy milk. <laughs> you know? I've been there. Sorry if that was me. <clears throat> but it's really funny. I mean, that should be a, a normal thing that happens. We're, we're, listen folks, we're in this together. We're in this crazy wild ride at this moment, this time in history, not by accident, because we know that God determines the time and place of our habitation. So we're alive when we're supposed to be alive with the people who are alive at the same time for a reason. We all live here for a reason. You're in my life for a reason. And hopefully I'm in your life for a reason. But we're also, there's people out there who need us to be in their lives. We're supposed to engage them and even show hospitality to them. We're to engage strangers. It's not just, it's really easy. You know, almost Christianity built its own little house. We have our own movies. We have our own bookstore. We have our own gatherings. You know, you could live your life, except for having to go to work, in this little Christian bubble. And I don't think that we're meant to do that. Jesus went out, he got chewed out for it, for eating with the tax collectors and sinners. You know what? That ought to be our challenge. Just fill this room with tax collectors and sinners. Preach the gospel to them. You know, I've often wondered that. I'm going to throw this out there. <clears throat> so get ready. If you knew, <laughs> if you knew that I was going to preach the gospel one Sunday, and I told you on the, on the 28th, I was going to lay the gospel down. How many of you know somebody you'd like to invite to hear that? You knew that it was going to be clear, comforting. Um, and we're just going to be, just leave it there. We're going to pray over that service. And we do a, uh, an evangelistic service. 
right? With the goal of, of getting out of the way and letting the Spirit of God save people. You know, we kind of have lost that. I've been thinking about that too. Maybe we'll do that between this series and the next one. I need to look at how many sermons are left. But uh, there's people we know that are lost, right? That need to hear that. And it'd be a lot easier for me to say it from here. They kind of expect it, right? That's why, did you know I don't tell people I'm a pastor? Because when I share the gospel with them, they say, oh, well, you're doing that because you're a pastor. I would rather them know I'm doing it because I love Jesus. Because the thing is, if I wasn't doing this, I would still do that with them. Because I love them. We're supposed to love strangers. Then he talks about prisoners. Boy, we love ministering to prisoners, don't we? Yeah, now let's just cut let's just cut through this this uh, this facade for a minute. Most people don't tell you that they've spent time in jail, right? And when they do, there's this little emotion that comes over you like, what were they in for? Is that what we ask? But he says here to minister to prisoners as if you were there with them, understanding what they're going through. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about empathy. We're to be empathetic to those who have made bad choices. Anybody here ever made a bad choice in their life beside me? Thank you. I'm not alone. We've made bad choices. They made a bad choice that, that had some serious penalties to it. Most of us try to mitigate the damage, try to get at, you know. But they made a choice. And if you talk to some of them, it was a choice they made 20, 30 years ago that they wish they could take back, they wish they had never done. Some of them were given somebody a ride who went in and did something and now they're in for life. For giving somebody a ride. And so there's some inequities, but that's not we're not here to discuss that this morning. The point being is we have to see past the behavior to the heart and love people in spite of that, in spite of their decisions. We're supposed to give them consideration as if we had gone to jail with them. It's important. Then he talks about the ill-treated. Listen, there's a lot of people in this world that have been mistreated. Have you ever been mistreated? I have been. You ever been miscategorized? You ever had somebody believe something about you that's not true? You ever had people say stuff about you that's not true? Come on, people. Did you go to middle school? It happens all the time. Ill-treated. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands on this. You ever been ill-treated in the church? Yes. Mistreated? Yes. Welcome to the crowd. Yes. I'm glad that hasn't happened. I have been. I was on staff mistreated. How do you like that one? But we don't quit. Because Jesus overwhelms us. And so he talks about the ill-treated here. There are members of the church that have been ill-treated. Listen, we are in the body together. 
Folks, this, listen. Hear me. Where's all my married people? Have, have you ever felt ill-treated by your spouse, anybody? Yes. Sure. If you're married and have been married for more than a week, <laughs> the first week you kind of pull it off, but more than a week, you felt that they've been mistreated you at times. And there's times that it's been true. And there's times you've mistreated them. How many of you are still married to that person who mistreated you? And so even when we're ill-treated, there's hope. There's hope. And I want you to know this. There are people in this city that are sitting at home this morning because they have been mistreated at church or mistreated by a Christian and they've checked out. And we have a responsibility our, we've been given the ministry of restoration, folks. That is our ministry. My ministry is not to correct behavior. Doesn't tell me that. I'm not here to correct your behavior. My ministry is to restore you in your relationship with Christ and to help remove the things that prevent that. That's, that's what it says. Did you ever have somebody tell you that, well, you need to listen because this is the sword of the spirit. This is God's word. You ought to listen. And then they start reading a bunch of verses to you. Let me tell you something. That verse, it's so simple. We don't read the Bible. <laughs> we say we read it. Who does this sword belong to? Based on the verse. The sword of the... The Spirit. The Spirit of God is the one who has to yield the sword. Because He can take a sword and carve it like a scalpel. You let Him do that work. You let the Spirit of God speak to the hearts of people. And if you don't think He can do it, then why are you pulling it out? Because then it has no power. We got to trust the Spirit of God to do His job. Our job is to encourage one another unto love and good works. Listen, I, <laughs> I'm a very simple person. Whatever it says, well, for the most part. Whatever it says, I just kind of believe it. I don't try to add to it. I don't try to add all these layers and all this stuff. And, you know, because I've done that. I actually have done that before. And it, you know where it ends in death? It's law. And so we have a responsibility. This ought to be a place of healing for the ill-treated. You know, we ought to put on our sign. If you've been hurt in church, we invite you Sunday. But we have to be ready for that ministry. Because you're going to have hurting and broken people with stories that are unbelievable. But I think it breaks the heart of God that nobody cares that they're out there. And it ought to break our heart too. 
May we be the ones. That's a, listen, folks, it's a heavy lift. <laughs> and I know that. You know that because you've been hurt. Don't raise your hand. You ever been hurt and quit? I have. I have too. I've been hurt and quit. I call it something else. Back in the day. And so we've got a calling. People matter. And we should reach out to others and show God's love. And so people matter. Others matter. Your marriage matters. Verse 4. Sometimes the people we take the most for granted are those the closest to us. Doesn't that stink? Yeah. You know, you ever, listen, you know how I know that? You ever been in a fight, like a, a really good fight, a real fight? And then the doorbell rings? Yeah. Hello, how you doing? <laughs> or on your way to church? Well, you're like this, and you're like this. Good morning, brother. <laughs> right? That's not real. Sometimes the people we love the most, we take the least for granted. And I'll tell you this, nobody can hurt you except somebody you love. Because the other people, we dismiss them. They say something we don't like, generally. Sometimes they can say something, if we agree with it, it can hurt us. But that's the only reason it hurts us, because we agree with it. But here, marriage, it tells us that marriage is to be held in honor among all. You know, sometimes today, marriage in the media or on TV is treated like a joke. It's treated like a joke. And I'll tell you this. If you go through, if you've ever been through a divorce, you know how hurtful that can be. You know how hurtful that can be. It's devastating. And I, let, me, let me, let me, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna draw a line here. There are churches that see it, they act like that's the impardonable sin. It is not. People are hurt and broken that have been through that, and we need to be there to love them, to comfort them, to support them. If our ministry is restoration. Whether they're restored to their spouse or not, it's to restore them to a healthy walk. And a lot of times people will drop out of church when that happens. Thank God that's not true of everybody. Because you know what? Sometimes people do dumb things, don't they? Mm -hmm. And they can wreck a marriage. It is not the impardonable sin. It is not. We need to love our friends and family who've been through that. It's extremely hurtful. So, we're told that we're to honor it and we're to speak well of one another. If you become one, what you do to them, you do to you. You know, it's really, it's interesting to see when somebody's young and it's young married and they're, they kind of have fun together and they kind of pick at each other a little bit. You remember that when you were young? 
And then that gets old. And it can become hurtful. Because the more comfortable you are with something, the further you go. And so we're to speak well of one another. We're supposed to speak well of our spouse. And lift them up. The marriage bed is to be undefiled. We're told that fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. So if you're married, you're only supposed to have sex with the person you're married to. What's the difference between fornication and adultery? Fornication is sex before married with somebody who's unmarried. Adultery is with somebody who is married. And so he will judge that. So, listen, don't mess around here. It's too dangerous, folks. It's too dangerous. There are traps everywhere. Don't mess around with that part of your life. Sex is a beautiful thing. It was created by God. It was created by God to be awesome. And cool. In the confines of the way God created it. And so pay attention to that. Don't let that that slip. Where everything in this world is sold via sex these days. You know, you can have a sexy stove now. But I promise you, it will burn you in the end. Where's Tamara? That's horrible. I just thought of that too. Obviously. (laughs) So others are your marriage and then yourself. We have a relationship with ourselves as well. You matter too, folks. You matter too. You know, I bought into this whole idea. It's amazing how much I've had to unwind is actually read scripture. I bought into this whole idea that I'm nothing and God is everything. And I'm just this piece of white PVC conduit pipe that God just flows through so they can just see the flow of God. Do you know that's not true? God flows into me and brings me alive so they can see him. That's how it works. What I'm supposed to do for him is what is reveal what he's doing in me. And I do that by abiding in him and it comes alive. That's the way it works. You want to know what you're supposed to do? Don't worry about that. Abide in him. What you're supposed to do will naturally happen. You're like, well, how do I abide in him? That was my question. I've had all these questions. How do I do that? Fall in love with him. Get to know him. Contemplate. Think about those things. And I'm not trying to give you a list of do's. But those that, I mean, remember when you were first saved? Can anybody remember that? Way back in the day. You were excited. Weren't you excited about the Bible? Weren't you excited about church? Weren't you excited about doing the things of God? And then the church comes along and ruins it. Right? Well, now that you're saved, young man, you need to do this as this. Or, well, we didn't see you at this meeting. And, uh, you know, and all these things start to pile up. Of, and what Mark hears is, Mark, you're a failure. Mark, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Well, God didn't lead me to go to that. God didn't lead me. You know, and everyone said, well, you need to read John. And I did it. I opened John and it was like, 
you thought it was an old west town, dusty, dry. I was getting nothing out of it. You ever hear that? Now that you're saved, you're going to read the Gospel of John. Anybody here? Anybody ever said it? I've said it. Unfortunately. But then I just chucked it because I wasn't getting nothing out of it. And I said, God, where do you want me to read? You know where he led me? Philippians. You know what Philippians is about? It's love. Isn't that funny? That's where he led me. And so I understood early on that it's important that we listen. And it was so rich and it came alive. When I finished that, I was like, Lord, what do I read now? The Bible is not dry or dusty. It's not. Now, I know you've had that experience. Well, maybe you have. I did. My question to you is, are you reading what God wants you to read? He's got a place in there. He's already prepped for you. And so pay attention. Listen. You matter. There are times that the last person we pay attention to is ourselves. You ever done stuff so much for other people that you just were running to the ground? Yeah, this is the gift of helps. This is the gift of help. So you just give, 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 and never give minister to. There's some people that are that way. And that's how the gift of helps can get you into trouble. There are character issues in our own life that needs to be addressed. And he brings up two of them here. Be free, he tells us, be free from the love of money. Is, is money is money evil? No. no. In fact, I'll prove it to you. If you give me more of it. <laughs> That's horrible. Money's not evil. We can build a hospital with it for kids. Or we can do evil things with it. Money is not evil. The love of money is what's evil. And have you guys have heard that verse? Do you all know where it's found? The love of the, in 1 Timothy 6.10, we're told that the love of money is the root of all evil. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Well, I hope I get to speak at a pastor's conference. I'm going to speak on this. Isn't that interesting that that's found in a pastoral book? Easy. You know when you want, you know what, when you really want money? When you ain't got none. <laughs> but I got news for you. I want you to find this, is gonna, you're going to be so glad I told you this. <laughs> none of you out there have any money right now. Did you know that? You're like, yeah, that ain't new to me. <laughs> you don't own anything. The earth and the fullness thereof belong to the Lord. We don't own anything. We think we do. The things that pass with you from this life to the next, those are the things that matter. I have never in my life been, and I've been to visit people on their deathbed 
And I've never heard somebody say, man, I wish I had worked another shift. They say, man, I wish I'd spent more time with my family. Or I wish I'd done this. I wish I'd gone to see my relative before it was too late. Those are the things that build regrets. Don't let that happen. The love of money, get it out of your life. Now, God knows what we need and he expects us to apply with the talents he gives us, whether it's one, five, or ten. We don't just sit on our hands and go, well, if I pursue it or do anything, I just going to college could be considered pursuing money. No, you, we have to be diligent. But we do it to take care of family, to do what we need to do, not so we can amass this wealth. The second thing he brings up is, is to be content with what you have. These kind of almost go together. But here's, here's what's really going on though. It's really interesting. Because if you're a Christian, if you're saved, if you put your faith and trust in Christ, you have everything. To be discontent with where we are says that Jesus is not enough. And what he's providing us right now is not enough. Okay, y'all are giving me that look. You know that makes me go longer. How many of you know that Jesus knows everything you need? How many of you believe he has all the supply to give you everything you need? Then what is it to be discontent about? Well, he's not giving it to me when I need it. Yes, he is. We don't say that, but we think that. I need it now, and he's not doing it now. It's the now syndrome. We need to come up with an acronym for now. Tom will come up with something. Or Debbie. But here's the thing. What I have now or what I'm a steward over right now is exactly what I'm supposed to have right now. And it may be that God is building spiritual muscles in me to do the will of God. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about maybe health. Maybe health or lack thereof. A job or no job. You know, character builds when you don't have a job as well. Sometimes it builds more when you don't have a job than when you do. So we have to take care of ourselves. Listen, you have him and he'll never desert you. I used to always think that meant that we get to desert every meal. And all the people who talk about the verse being a private interpretation. <laughs> He'll never leave you. And so money and discernment have at their core the same issue. I don't have what I need or, or want. And I need to pursue it. And so we make decisions based upon that perspective. 
When we pursue anything other than Christ, it is misguided. It discounts that Christ is enough and says to God that what he's provided is insufficient. Again, misguided. We must address the thoughts we have to pursue anything other than Christ. Because the enemy will do that. He will tag popularity, kids, students, popularity. Kids have done things to become popular, to become known, to be liked, to fit in. That they would disagree with if nobody else was around. Don't do it. Listen, I'm going to tell you this, and I used to tell this to my youth group. If you have to change for somebody to like you, they don't like you. They don't like you. Let it move on. Next. Turn the page. Why would you give somebody else that power in your life? When God loves you exactly the way he made you. Then there will be people who truly appreciate who you are and the way God made you. And other people around you won't understand it. That's okay. That's their journey. Bring them close. And so what are we left with? Since people matter, we must find ways to engage the people around us. So here's how that works. We have to intentionally target people we don't know. You invite a neighbor or co-worker to dinner. Listen, people are out there, they're hurting and trying to find their own way. There are people on their last thread behind these beautiful, pretty doors all around us. There are people going, I don't know how I'm going to do it. That need hope. You know, I know that. Have you ever been there yourself? Man, I don't know how we're going to do it this month. You know, Terry and I were laughing at a... There was, I don't know if y'all saw this, but there was a truck accident. The truck split open and spilled ramen noodles all over the highway. Did y'all see this? They said it was a terrible thing. They filed for their insurance as a loss of $38. <laughs> we live on ramen noodles when we're in college, right? Because we can't afford anything else. Terry and I used to use them to make cheap hamburger helper. You get the beef and you cook up the hamburger and you mix them together. When you don't have nothing, you find ways, don't you? And some of those times are the most precious times when you do it together. So invite them. Get to know them. There's hurting people. And maybe you're the answer to their prayers. If you're having that inkling or somebody ran through your mind, reach out to them this week. So, since people matter, we have to engage them, the people we don't know. We have to pour into our marriage. Date again, folks. If your dating life went well, date again. <laughs> some of you know our story, some of you don't. We, Terry and I went on one date and it was awful. We canceled it in the middle of the date. But things ended well. 
here we are today. Did you know what happened? We fell for each other when we were friends. And then it changed when we tried to become something else. And it went bad. Because I wasn't me and she wasn't she. And now we are we. So there you see. Let it be. <laughs> Let it be. <laughs> Let it be. That's really good. So pour in. Pour in. Do things for each other that you know they like or takes pressure off them. How many of you would love that if your spouse would do something to take some pressure off of you? Right? Use kind words. Joke sparingly. And if you're going to joke, you be the object, not them. Thirdly, why, why, oh why do we believe Jesus is not enough? Nobody here would ever say that. But there are times we live like it. Why, why do we believe he's not enough? Mentally, we know he is, but our behavior says we want more. It's usually because we think he's failed us in the past or hasn't done something we want or we, that we thought he should do the way he should do like this. Jesus, how come you don't do How come you didn't counsel with me about how to do this? And we blame him for that. <laughs> Listen, what we really don't see what he's up to. So we fill our time pursuing other things. We were talking about Blackaby's book, Experiencing God, this morning. As part of our class time. We need to find what God's doing and join him. We need to find out what he's doing and join him. You know, I was reading this story this week. There's this person was writing about their second month of nursing school and the professor gave this pop quiz and this, this student was conscientious and had breezed through the questions till they read the last one the last question was this what is the name of the woman who cleans the school and she thought to herself surely this is some kind of joke And they, she said she had seen the woman several times. She was tall, dark-haired, in her 50s. But how would I know her name? And she left her question blank. And asked the, just before she handed it in, she asked the professor if the last question counted toward the quiz grade. You know what the professor said? Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is how it played out. The professor told this, in your careers, you will meet many people. All are significant. They deserve your attention and care. Even if all you do is smile and say hello. If the people around you don't matter to a nurse, <laughs> how can you be a nurse? The last line of her story says, I've never forgotten that lesson. I also learned her name was Dorothy. 
See, she changed to see the people around them. People matter. How you come across, how you talk to people, how you say things matters. Do people perceive you as kind and gentle or arrogant and self-absorbed? We can't control their response, but we can control what we do. And so people around you matter. God placed you in the proximity to one another. And we ought to find out why. We ought to find out why these people are in our lives. We ought to find out why I'm in this class with these people. We ought to find out how come I got into this small group. How come you've been assigned to my study team? Have you ever thought, man, I wouldn't have picked you? Maybe they were thinking, maybe they're so glad you're there. Listen, don't be self-centered. Be Christ-centered. People matter. I think we need to do that. We need to have an evangelistic service where we just share the gospel. Stay tuned. Details to follow. Be thinking about somebody now that needs to hear the gospel. Because I'll share it with them. And be ready to pray with them if they ask. I'm going to say, everybody, bow their head and close their eyes.